0: you change your perception a little kind of get out a little bit more open-minded the world is a little bit is pretty crooked and kind of messed up you know I think a lot of my paintings tend to try to be attractive in their color palette but also like when you get close to them you see how warped the space is and how strange things really are and I've always been really interested in perception and how I can sort of make people think about how they perceive the world isn't necessarily the same as others
1: Welcome to the Studio Break Podcast. I'm your host, David Linaway. For today's 187th episode, we're joined by Tom Colcord. He's currently a San Francisco resident where he is a painter, and he's got a new exhibition of paintings at Glass Rice Gallery, and that exhibition runs through February 24th, so if you're in the San Francisco area, please check it out. If you're finding Studio Break for the very first time, I do want to encourage you to check out some of the other artists featured on Studio Break. Again, we've got work featured by the artists as well as links to their websites and these lengthy interviews, so you can listen right there in the default player or just click that iTunes link and subscribe. If you're all about social media, please be sure to check out our Facebook page and like it. You can also find us on Twitter at Studio Break and now on Instagram at Studio underscore Break. So please check us out there and say hello. Studio Break is made possible in part by generous support from the Osage Arts Community, which is a proud sponsor of Studio Break. Osage Arts Community is an artist residency that provides temporary time, space, and support for the creation of new artistic work in a retreat format, serving creative people of all kinds, including visual artists, composers, poets, fiction, and nonfiction writers. Osage is located on a 180 acre working farm. In the rural mountainside setting of central Missouri, bordered by the lovely Gasconade River. OAC provides residencies to those working alone, as well as welcoming collaborative teams, offering living space and workspace in a country environment to emerging and mid career artists. Interested parties should visit Osage Arts Community's website for more information, as they are now accepting applications for the 2018 season. Osage Arts Community, where land, art, and community ignite. And now this interview with Tom Colcord is coming up, so stay tuned. So welcome to Studio Break, Tom Colcord, how are you?
0: I'm doing great, David. How are you?
1: Excellent, excellent. And so again, we've been kind of playing around with audio settings uh, for the last hour or so. Finally, good to have you on, and I know we've been you know, pinging each other about this for a while. So you're currently where? Where are you residing?
0: Uh, I'm currently in Indianapolis. I'm taking a little bit of a vacation from uh, uh, teaching, sort of gave myself a little bit of a Christmas break. So I normally live in San Francisco. That's That's where I reside, but Um, back home in Indianapolis for the holidays, see family, and sort of take a little bit of a breather.
1: Sure, sure. And so are you originally an Indiana native?
0: I am an Indiana native. I'm a Hoosier.
1: (laughs) Right on, right on. So I'm always kind of curious where people start out because, you know, some people kind of really are always, you know, in this art mode or kind of know that they want to do that. Is that something that you kind of... Had when you were growing up? Did you always, you know, spend time drawing and painting, or was that something that came maybe a little later?
0: No, um, it was pretty natural for me. I think I I was drawing right out of the womb, um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) so to speak. I I think I was I was doing it before I could um, really write or read or anything. I would I was always into uh, I was really into Dr. Seuss as a little kid. and I would um, dictate stories to my mom, and she would write them down, and I would like illustrate them. So it was always just really. There was never a question I was going to do anything else, really, so yeah, it was pretty much immediate for me and growing kind of a no brainer
1: you know in in terms of growing up, I mean you know illustration stuff like that um was it something that you kind of also pursued while you were like in in grade school? i mean, were you you know taking art classes learning what watercolors are and how much you don't like them or uh, maybe your yeah. other material? <laughs> <laughs> I
0: do hate watercolor. <laughs> uh, no, like, in grade school, middle school, art education wasn't super encouraged. What really made the difference for me was high school. I had a really good, a really, really good painting and drawing teacher in high school. And um, he kind of broke the mold as far as, like, art teachers went. He kind of taught us, like, not just, like, the skills that we would need, like, sculpting and painting and rendering things, but he kind of made us think a lot about, like, the projects we were doing. Mm-hmm. So it was very... Uh, we kind of thought about like contemporary art in a lot of different ways. So we would sort of have like a prompt, and then create an assignment around it. And it didn't really matter what kind of medium we used. It was very freeform, and that for me was really important because I I think got from at least in my late teens, maybe that's an early age to kind of understand what art's purpose is and like what you can do with it. But for me, that was sort of like the big moment for me. Uh, yet when I was younger, I would you know would just draw a lot. I loved cartoons and comic books and things like that. And that's sort of the passion for those things kind of led me into more of like a fine art context when I got to 16, 17, 18 years old.
1: Yeah, I I feel embarrassed to say, I feel like for me it was like people could go work for Industrial Light and Magic, you know, or or like some (laughs) sort of like, I want to work for like George Lucas to design, you know, um, which obviously too, I mean, special effects is still there, but it's interesting, like you're saying, just the the kind of education that you start to kind of, you know, peel back all these layers of like what you can do as an artist. And certainly, I, I don't think that's anything that's changed. You know, it's still something that's a challenge for, you know, anybody that's graduating. So in terms of that that experience, then, um, did you kind of move forward then and thinking like, I'm going to be a fine artist? Or was there any other any other kind of art pursuit that you thought maybe would be more practical? Like, I don't know, painting uh, in house interiors? Uh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, looking at my work, I can totally see how you would think that. Uh, no, I've, I've never been a practical person, <laughs> unfortunately. When I was a teenager and I was younger, I wanted to do just like, I was really into narratives and really liked comic books and manga. And I really wanted to do that for a while. And uh, I remember my art teacher telling me, yeah, you could, probably do that but it's there's a very few amount of people who actually do do it so even that one thing that was like maybe kind of a sort of practical dream that's like a art that people use or read or whatever even that was kind of like seemed a little bit out of reach it everything always kind of did I just don't think I ever thought about it too much I was kind of always in I've always been kind of like a floaty person I'm kind of in my head a lot and it just the impracticality of art never concerned me that much I was just kind of assumed I would figure it out as I went along Mm -hmm. um, which strangely enough has worked (laughs) I don't know you know there was always the like well you know different people in my life have encouraged me to pursue other things like you know architecture which I always thought was interesting or animation but Mm -hmm. um, I think the more I, I researched those different career paths in the arts I kind of, you know, was just stopped pretty quick in how much I realized I would have to invest my time into finding other avenues when I already knew what it was that I exactly wanted to do. I wanted to create and make things, and I assumed from an early on that would mostly be painting, and so far it mostly has been, and mm-hmm. it's kind of like, um was a little uncompromising in my trajectory, I suppose, Even even at like 17 or 18, although I didn't really... Maybe I'm getting ahead a little bit here, but I, I didn't think I really knew for sure I would be a painter until I, I was like 19. I was mm-hmm. had a lot of interest as a kid, but never really thought too much about a career to be honest. When I was in high school, I just kind of knew what I liked and I did what I liked and just did those things.
1: Well, and so you went to undergrad at um, Indiana University in Bloomington. Was there anything that kind of drew you there specifically? Did you? I don't know, visit or kind of see the campus, or is it just something that was kind of maybe regionally, like you know, state school in the area?
0: Yeah, I mean, I always heard that they had a good art program um, at the time. I was really into music; I was playing guitar really religiously. And Bloomington's sort of where you go to, like be a cool kid in a band so to speak (laughs) so my first year there i had majored in studio art because i liked it and i knew i was good at it but i was also taking like music classes i got most of a music minor when i was there so initially it was just like it was a big beautiful campus it seemed like a big adventure you know i'll go here and do this thing and it'll be great but i ended up like really falling in love with painting there my first year so it was already something I really liked and loved to do, but that was when I really kind of fell into the passion for it. I was at IU for sure.
1: Interesting. Interesting. And I guess, you know, kind of considering the uh, foundation, I guess that you had started, you know, in high school with having like a, a mentor that was encouraging and, you know, gave you challenging stuff. Um, What kind of things did you gravitate towards and I know again obviously you're you know drawing vases and stuff like that and drawing one, but maybe beyond some of those courses, did you develop like a lot of skills in terms of like working from representation and you know just being able to replicate and draw what you see and paint what you see?
0: Yeah, well uh you know the thing about IU is that it just had a very uh very open program. I had a teacher, my painting one teacher, his name was Ben Cowan. And mm-hmm. he kind of taught me to paint in a different sort of, it was more direct style painting, which they kind of teach at IU, where you kind of mix all the colors and you kind of just slap it on and work it around and it's okay to make mistakes. And it, uh, it, was, it was just a little bit more different than I had uh, initially learned to paint. And it was just a funner way to paint. Mm-hmm. You know, and they really encouraged using oil paint, which I I had liked before, but using it in this kind of new way where it's a little bit more a la prima, a little more direct, and they encourage you to use gobs and gobs of paint. Mm-hmm. You know, just like it was such a luscious and like like, satisfying experience that I kind of couldn't – kind of just didn't want to do it any other way. And it, it was all pretty resp- representational, at least for the first couple of years. You know, I didn't really do anything to um, like imaginative. it was all like drawing one, painting one, painting two kind of things. But um, they – they ha- they did a good job at love, like getting you to get those skills down before you went into like the BFA program where it was like a f- total free for all. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember my freshman year going into the uh, the gallery there in the school, and they had like the BFA would have they would uh, the painters would have a show every other semester or so. I remember going in and seeing as a freshman painters who were just a little bit older than me what they were doing. I remember just being totally blown away by like just the ridiculous paintings they were making mm-hmm. i remember seeing like these crazy picasso-esque abstractions i'd never seen before one person was like painting pictures of animals and people's clothing around a dinner table there was like a, a three-headed z- zebra with like the body of a baboon just all these totally ridiculous crazy ambitious paintings that i'd and I, I hadn't really seen things like that before um, i was used to you know traditional art like beautiful landscapes still lives portraits and things and there were these kids just a little older than me who are making these crazy things and i just i had had no idea that you could do that with painting and it was just like so it was like a brick in my head it was so obvious that i wanted to do this now Mm -hmm. so that that's when i like really um invested all my time into just developing those skills so that they would let me into that program too
1: was was there a lot of like floral or landscape kind of like studies because again you know kind of throughout a lot of the work you know there's a lot of trees and landscape settings um that kind of give way to have these nice contrasting color schemes and obviously they they shift as you you know move from maybe some of the more um earlier work on your website uh as opposed to some of the more recent work but again that's something that really kind of struck me is that there's there's like a really nice range of like textures and you know, formal investigation of the, of, you know, things that you would maybe associate with like landscape and then the way that you kind of combine this almost figurative element that changes throughout it. That might've been three questions, but
0: <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. Well, I, I think I have three good answers, David. Uh, <laughs> so I did, uh, I think the, the main thing that, um, the professors I had at IU had under their belts was landscape painting. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember taking a summer painting course with Eve Mansdorf. And it was just landscape painting every single day, and I really learned to appreciate painting from life from that course more than anything. Mm-hmm. I got really obsessed with landscape painting. I got like my French easel and everything, and I would go out there every morning and I would do that um, even outside the class just got really into that so um, the landscape became really important to me in my work. I wanted to incorporate that into it just as much as I possibly could a painting of life from well and um, you know, I'm from Indianapolis, sort of like, uh, it's it's not rural by any means, but I'm sort of on the outskirts of the city a little bit. So I've always been around wooded areas, you know, right in between the area of like, there's like city right next to me and there's like cornfields for miles to to the right, you know. So I've always had like the um, greenery around me as far as I've grown up, which I think just it reflects itself in the work even more so, you know.
1: Mm-hmm well and so in, in terms of maybe changing that up a little bit again i you can kind of see a distinction maybe from maybe the little bit earlier work versus the the work that you might have uh you know left with in terms of like a a bfa thesis show but mm-hmm. there's this kind of like wolf-like figure or oh, man, animal. Yeah. <laughs> i would imagine that i don't know like like i couldn't help but think that this was kind of like a almost like a stand-in like symbolically for yeah. yourself yeah so, that, that, <laughs> that's, so that's kind of like the big shift though right i mean it looks like you're kind of really uh, developing these compositions slightly different or at least kind of putting more into them so how, mm-hmm. how how does that process kind of work or you know was there a lot of like preliminary drawing or anything like that or how, how did you start kind of planning these out or shifting to include more of these kind of figurative slash animals slash self elements
0: i, I love landscape painting right but um, I knew that it wasn't necessarily like challenging or like super contemporary and, and like a conceptual means for me. So mm-hmm. like I was mentioning, going and seeing like you know those the crazy paintings that like the BFA's before me had done. And I, you know, I was in a program at the time that was they, they weren't super fond of like working from photographs. So I I knew that I wanted to create like a crazy fictional thing or like a some sort of alternate reality. Mm -hmm. But I also wanted to, like, satisfy my need to paint from life. So what I did was, at least in my BFA and for quite a while afterwards, was I started um, investing a lot of my time learning installation art. Mm -hmm. And all that would, like, entail really was, like, filling my studio with as much floral crap as I possibly could so that I could create an environment, like a landscape environment, that I could work to from life in the studio. And then as far as, like, animals and things would go, you know, I, I had... I had pets growing up, so I had, like, a lot of experience, like, sketching them and drawing them, um, as well as, you know, uh, borrowing some some photographs, like, from friends, or, like, animals that I knew, and I I would, uh, I took an anatomy class, too, so I tried to, like, study, like, the bone structures of them as well, so that I could, like, try to incorporate them in. I think I think I kind of answered your question there, but basically, I would make, like, installations to paint from in the studio, and then I would insert sort of, like, like little monsters wherever I felt like it was appropriate. I would use mm-hmm. like toys too. I would find like little like figurines and try to like blow them up so that it would look like they were like these, these bigger sort of like ominous figures floating, you know, behind the darkness of the trees and things like that.
1: Yeah. It's really interesting just cause there's one that stuck out to me called face mm-hmm. where, again, like it, it kind of has that almost like, Set set up where you can kind of maybe think about like, you know, having like this almost like still life element in the front being kind of encompassed with all this like floral behind it so again it's interesting to hear you talk about it because i'm seeing this and i'm trying to imagine then what it might have looked like in your studio you know um,
0: oh it was it
1: was such a mess it <laughs> must have had a lot of wonderful uh, comrades in arms that were like can yeah. you kind of like condense this and get it out of my studio space <laughs>
0: yeah 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 well uh, what i did was I, I took my mom's old christmas trees because she had a bunch of extra ones and i have to hear about it every single year mm-hmm. <laughs> she had to buy a new one so, yeah, I would just borrow things or raid. Sure, stores, sure. Yeah.
1: You know? Well, Were there any particular painters that you were looking at at the time that you were really kind of drawn to, aside from, you know, just the the you know the peer group that was around you?
0: Um, at the time, at IU, I was really into, like, the Leipzig school. So I was thinking of, like, Neo Rauch and uh, Stefan Dunlop, who's an Australian painter, um, and then um, okay. David Schnell. I was really into him. Painters who were, like, playing with space, which kind of, like, foreshadowed a little bit of the work i was making a couple of years later um i really love angela de Fresny. she has like those kind of like a uh, really loose but like foresty atmosphere in her paintings um and i loved lillian garcia roig at the time a lot she's a painter from florida i think and she does um all these like from life landscapes um but they're like close-ups of tree trunks and stuff and there's like a lot of goopy paint and they're, they're really like almost abstract in the way that she approaches the painting. It's a figurative thing, but it's, like, really goopy and, like, bright colors and a lot of just really saturated paintings. And I just, I've just i always been in, interested in, like, a lot of high saturation. So... I just tried to get that across in my work, too.
1: Yeah, there's, a, I mean, there's a lot of vibrant color for sure, you know, which is why I think, again, like, one of the things that stuck out to me related to that floral motif, like I said, is just that there's so much of this green, you know, variety of green and then these nice kind of bold contrasting colors in, in conjunction with that. So you wrap up your life there. You're out of school. Uh, what do you What do you decide to do? Did you take time off or did you decide to pursue your advanced MFA degree, uh, after that?
0: Um, well, I knew that I wanted to do MFA, but I also knew that I wasn't totally ready. I, uh, right after my undergrad, I was very fortunate to get to go to, um, Italy, actually, uh, spend a summer in Florence, um, which was part of IU. I just postponed my graduation a couple months and I was lucky to get a scholarship to go, and do that. So I got to see, you know, all the works of the masters and things in Florence and Rome and things. But uh, it was really amazing for me to see the Venice Biennale in mm-hmm. 2013, which is there at the time. And that was really my first exposure to contemporary art. I remember going to the American Pavilion and seeing Sarah Zay's work and realizing that... I made installations in my own studio to help me paint, but there was this other artist who was making installations that kind of created the same effect I wanted and they encompassed the entire room. And I was just like so blown away by her and her work and just became really obsessed with like the things she was doing. So I kind of um, realized that there was, there was more than just painting out there and that what I had thought I known about art being isolated in Indianapolis and Bloomington my whole life. I really didn't know anything. I realized I had, Pretty ignorant about what the contemporary art world was about at large. And I knew that if I wanted to compete in the art world, I would probably have to get an MFA. So I just set about creating a portfolio for it. And it took me a couple of years. And I worked pretty tirelessly at that. I worked a bunch of different jobs at the time, you know. I was like bartending for a while and I was like working in retail. You know, not so much fun jobs that really motivate you to go out and get your. Graduate degree, mm-hmm. so I spent a couple of years um, you know in indiana after graduating, just thinking about reflecting on my experience in Italy and then working really hard to just create a new body of work that I could use as a, a portfolio for a graduate application um, and that was sort of my obsession for a while
1: sure, sure, well, and again, related to the work you know you talked about space not too long ago, you know the, these paintings start to kind of shift to include more kind of like layers or spatial layers. Um, You know, areas where there might be, you know, maybe like a a deep, you know, horizon or atmosphere in the the background. Mm -hmm. There's areas that it kind of dissolves into this kind of like abstracted void kind of shape or Mm -hmm. things like that. So, I mean, I would imagine a lot of this time is then just really you know, experimenting to kind of see what you want to, to do with that. Usually, again, I mean, when you're, you know, as you kind of talked about a little bit earlier, too, when you're so young, it's like you have this idea of what something can be, and then it's it just takes time to kind of keep exploring it to kind of see what you want from it, you know. So it's, again, really interesting to see, you know, the the shift in the work, you know, in terms of maybe even some of the objects that are being used, but then also, again, these kind of more spatial elements that kind of almost again kind of put them into a, a deeper landscape or kind of stack into these various layers
0: yeah yeah i kind of, i that's i'd say that's true i spent a lot of time just coming up with different things to paint and then transform onto the canvas in a different way i guess
1: and it's all done on the canvas then too it's it's not there's not like some sort of uh you know sneaky uh research thing that you know you're <laughs> you know <laughs> collaging yep. photographic elements digitally and you know it's all kind of like something that you're you're using that same method but then just ex- experimenting in terms of how you're going to change uh, certain elements of the painting
0: yeah yeah i well, I always trying to figure out like what's the best way for me to make a painting like what's the best approach or the best strategy and um you know that's always changed constantly throughout as long as i've been painting you know for a while it was creating those installations so i could do them from life and now it's it's more experimental and has a lot more to do with photoshop and that you know it all all evolves and changes and goes through transitions but for me it's always been about the painting Mm -hmm. you know no matter how i create a mock-up image whether it's through building something through sculpture and installation or if it's like going it from life outside or if it's like doing a mock-up in photoshop or if it's just about being abstract and just jumping into it in whatever way you know that it doesn't to me that's not like as important as like creating it it doesn't matter how i get there as long as i get there you know Mm -hmm. that's a lesson that took me a long time to learn
1: (laughs) actually sure sure yeah well and so when did you start uh your graduate degree
0: um in the fall of 2015 i started
1: what was that like moving from uh the midwest uh to to san francisco have you had you ever been there before previously I, i'm assuming that you visited i hope oh yeah i <laughs> uh, yeah
0: i was lucky enough to visit uh my brother was at stanford at the time so i got to see him the summer before and uh yeah yeah it was quite it's quite a leap <laughs> you know i wouldn't recommend going from indianapolis to san francisco is quite a quite a bit of a jump as uh, as far as uh the general atmosphere, and the sort of changes you go through. That being said, it's probably one of the best things I've ever done for myself. But yeah, it was uh, it was different. I went from a, a world that had lots of space to a world that's a little bit more confined, more expensive, you know, more louder, more saturated, which are all things I learned kind of just to love about it. But it, it kind of ended up starting to change things quite a bit. Uh, SFEI, San Francisco Art Institute, it's you know, one of the oldest um, art institutions in the country has all this history, and it was just so so different from IU, which is like a university. Or it was more of like an art program, and then I went to an art school. So there was a lot of um, sort of differences there as well um, and how I had to sort of adapt to a newer environment, and that all kind of like began feeding into the work pretty quickly, I think.
1: And what were the, the people like, too, in, t- in terms of your peers? Because I'd imagine then that you have like the like super high caliber people in every single kind of thing that you can think of as opposed to like oh we got you know a wheel downstairs in the basement and this <laughs> guy throws on it. you know i imagine well it's and again now too especially with like 3d printing and you know technology and you know like how they kind of keep turning out ways to kind of explore these uh creative creative avenues you know in, in three dimensions i would imagine again it's got to be really different to kind of be around so many uh killers uh, for lack of a better word oh yeah
0: that's definitely true when i got into sfai it was sort of like well i had been in such like an inclusive painting program at iu mm-hmm. you know all the painters had their own building and everything and suddenly i'm in this big industrial complex in the Dogpatch neighborhood of san francisco and there's like a guy making these crazy digital um, videos and there's other person doing these crazy installations and and i'm just like a painter and you know we're all in critique together you know we're all that was one of the big differences for me was going into a critique seminar with you know maybe two or three other painters but then everyone else is like a sculptor or a ceramicist or a photographer Mm -hmm. or digital artist and um, so i had to learn to talk about all of those things as well and then find out where they were in relation to my own work which is really really helpful and um, that was i think maybe one of the main differences between this the San Francisco Art Institute and IU for me um it's just like they're totally polar opposites in how they approached talking about art and then as yeah as far as my peers go yeah they were they were pretty different <laughs> i mean i think uh, when you're in a BFA program everyone's everything's a little bit safer and then when you go to like the big city and you're spending all this money to go to this crazy art school everyone's the ambition level kind of gets kicked up a couple notches so there's always that sort of like competition with the peer group which is for me really really helpful i think
1: there's a lot of transition certainly you know when you're starting a, a graduate program was there anything that kind of like shifted maybe earlier on in terms of the way that you started you know making these paintings you know especially mm-hmm. considering these other you know people that you're around these these people that probably had totally different ways of looking at your work and giving you feedback that you're scratching your head about
0: yeah well uh first semester was really influ- in- instrumental um so first of all i came into a studio that was uh you know quite a bit smaller you know you go into the city you're lucky to have a studio period and so i was you know sitting in more of like a nine by twelve kind of space as opposed to you know like an entire basement and uh moving out to san francisco i couldn't you know you can't bring everything i fit as much as my brother and i could in our car and we just drove for three straight days, you know, so I didn't have all these props that I was used to having. Mm-hmm. i had have this, I had had this body of work that I've been working on with like the jungle psychedelic thing for two or three years. And, um, I found it much more difficult to do that in this new space. You know, I, I tried to do it for a while. I would correct, collect new things I got really into using textiles, fabrics, and paper to create installations, which I did for a little bit. But then, um, you know, having, uh, Some really heavy-hitting professors really making me, and these other types of peers, making me think about the fundamental thing that drives me as an artist and sort of getting as close to that as possible and then sort of making work and thinking about more of what it is specifically that I want to communicate really kind of made me tear that practice down Mm -hmm. in a way that ended up being really healthy for me because I realized I was kind of in a rut with these sort of jungle paintings. I wasn't really sure why I was doing them anymore. I couldn't really back up why I had, like, a weird wolf character in everything. You know, Mm -hmm. graduate critique, it didn't always fly. So at one point, I remember what I did was I just, I thought, you know, I I love color more than anything. And um, I had uh, an awesome professor at the time. His name is Dewey Crumpler. really got me thinking about different ways that I could use color in my paintings. So what I did was I, you know, I kind of stopped working on the big, Four by six canvases. I bought a bunch of small, little, like nine by 12, eight by 10 canvas boards. I've got some acrylics and I just sat down and made geometric abstract paintings for fun and responded to them abstractly with no plans or anything. And I had so much fun doing them Um, towards the end of that first semester that I realized, you know, I had to, I I just kind of broke things down, took a total 180, and stopped thinking about these sort of grandiose oil paintings and started thinking about, you know, what it is that I really want to communicate. And it's, it for me at the time, all I knew was that it had something to do with color juxtaposition, but that's just what I started stepping into and started exploring. And I discovered pattern work at that time too. I would go to old thrift stores or um, San Francisco has this great um, little store called Scrap in the Bayview where people, you can drop literally any kind of junk off that you have, and you can go in and buy um, old paper fabrics, just crap for really cheap It's a, just this beautiful little um thrift store and I would buy a lot of fabrics from there for really cheap and um uh, I started creating um collages with them, and that was sort of the beginning of like the next turn for me as a part of um, how I approached creating work and what kind of work I was creating
1: well it's interesting too to think about you know that. Experience working from representation, setting up these installations, and then just kind of like, not abruptly, but you know, shifting into this area where you're kind of really pushing, you know, formal design and these elements, talking about patterns. And again, it's interesting, especially to to think about the way that that kind of gets shifted into the work because they're they they kind of really do an amazing job of kind of combining um, both of those elements, where you still have you know things that are maybe richly, you know, textured in detail, but then you also have these really kind of, I don't know, flat design base kind of elements in the work that, that kind of add like a, I don't know, like a different patina or, you know, element to it. Um, And I'd imagine it gave you a a lot more avenues in terms of exploring color, but then also just kind of exploring that abstraction in relationship to the representational elements in there.
0: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I was always, always put pressure on myself to try to combine everything I'd ever done into a painting. (laughs) I had like a this feeling that I had to do that for a while in grad school before I finally just you know just decided I was a mad scientist and it was my job to experiment more than anything and kind of let go of a lot of things really. But yeah, there was always I always had this. weird modernist kick uh, like fascination with abstract painting even though I always knew I was a figurative painter at heart and maybe even a from life painter at heart but I've always had this desire to just understand how color works and what other ways I can use it and how I can kind of reinvent the wheel over and over again with it you know so it always all ends up in there
1: well, and I'm curious too. Is is there something that changed in terms of the, some of the the technique? Because I would imagine, and again, it's, oh, yeah. it's different for everyone. But like with um, you know, things that are super ornate and patterned, I would imagine there might be a lot of tape involved. And in, in terms of kind of getting some of these areas and then masking some out, but yep,
0: okay. <laughs> yeah, you, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, tape became my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> my second semester of grad school, I started getting into the sort of like hard edge kind of painting. I was thinking about a lot of Bay Area painters um, at the time. I went to go see a Barry McGee show at Ratio 3, and that changed a lot of things for me because all his work is is patterns. And I'm like, well, how does he do that? He just has tons of tape. You know, that's how he gets those, like, real clean edges. And slappiness was always sort of an issue for me um, as a a painter. I always worked really loosely in, like, a really direct style. So incorporating that challenged me to really clean things up in the craft aspect and that helped me uh really a lot at the time um, and even now and then another thing was going from working in oils all the time strictly to working in acrylics because I could just sort of build up layers and uh, a lot faster Mm -hmm. in interesting ways I wasn't waiting for paint to dry all the time it allowed it forced me to work quicker so that I could um discover different color interactions on the palette and then like just put them on and just be immediate and more, um, maybe less contemplative and more like reactionary to what the painting was kind of telling me to do. So, you know, I started creating a lot of stencils as well. I realized that drawing and design had like a big kind of influence on me. I'd always been attracted to like uh, clean lines and solid shapes and uh, looking for ways to incorporate that into my work so that all kind of came together at once, really, too. Yeah. It's, that was a big shift for me, was utilizing the tape hard edge stenciling um exacto knives and acrylic paint just kind of all became my tools for a while.
1: Well, and it's interesting because there's kind of like negative shapes that kind of peek in and then areas that become so much more layered just because you have something that might be really flat versus something that's you know really ornate like um there's a a painting that I'm just happen to be looking at right now like called uh, Claudette. Uh, oh yeah. Where you have like again like a a very Uh, Textured and kind of like detail-oriented house plant, and then you have this kind of like flat tablecloth kind of behind it, and then this silhouetted, you know, continuation of the plant up into this atmospheric kind of sky. So again, it's just it's interesting because they start to really kind of combine all these different elements, you know. And you'll flip to the next one where there'll be like a, you know, pattern running down the entire (laughs) the entire surface that flattens out a big chunk of it but these are, so these were all kind of like created on the fly as you're kind of working. Are you working on like a bunch of them at the same time then and jumping around? Yeah.
0: Okay. Uh, Yeah. So it just kind of became, you know, as in grad school, it just kind of became my job to paint, which was great. Mm -hmm. And then uh, for some of them, how to design them kind of, or how to plan them became really difficult for some of them. I would sort of do it on the fly, but I didn't always appreciate the results. So more along into my third semester in the summer of 2016, someone told me, like, hey, why don't you design these on Photoshop? Um, Because what I had been doing was, you know, collecting fabrics to kind of copy. And I realized I could, if I just learned this other medium, I could kind of find other ways to create patterns. So I started experimenting with that. Mm -hmm. So, like, a lot of the work you see later on in 2016 is me going from a design that I've already kind of mocked up, like, on Photoshop. And that's not how I did all of them. That's how I started planning a lot of them. Um, and that kind of allowed me to play with space, move things around, be a little bit more ambitious with compositions, and play with like different like areas of push pull, and then color schemes as too. So I could kind of dictate. I was, Photoshop was sort of a revelation for me because I realized I could kind of play with color in a different way. I didn't have to um, kind of necessarily mess around with things on the palette first. I could kind of just mix from the image. And uh, experiment a lot easier on there without wasting a ton of paint too.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that you kind of talked about a little bit earlier too was you know when you were young you you were kind of really interested in narratives and in terms of concept maybe not maybe not fully realized. Oh yeah, um, But how how did, how did how does that kind of like get resolved in the work too? Because you know especially with like some of the. Um, more cheery uh, titles like doomed sunflower um, <laughs> it, it, again it kind of maybe plays with some expectations that you might have with the subject matter but then it also kind of like even that painting almost takes on the characteristic of, of looking you know abstracted like a like a face um, or again there'll be like silhouetted face faces or images of figures in in the work but how, how did that kind of get shifted towards into the work?
0: Uh, a lot of the work reflects like um, just issues with anxiety or some sort of like bad premonition or ominous thing that's about to happen I've always been interested in um, how to communicate like like a mental break or something where like the world is kind of coming to an end I have a, a painting on there somewhere that's called um, oh yeah everything is going to be alright was the painting I was thinking of where there's like a road and there's like this car crashing in the background where mm-hmm. there's like these glittering trees Um, And I've always kind of been fascinated with like periods or time periods of change. I've been reading a lot about uh, Germany in like the 1920s, 1930s lately. Um, I took a class on revolutions in my undergrad. And that's always something I've been really fascinated with is like how things can sort of drastically shift in the world. Um, And the paintings and how they kind of play with space. I'm kind of interested in reflecting that I kind of find the idea that um, you know, growing up in the Midwest, you have a lot of like conservative ideology and there's sort of like, a, well, everything's really okay. Um, the news just tries to scare you kind of thing. And I'm kind of like, well, you know, I don't know. I think if you change your perception a little, kind of get out a little bit more open-minded, the world is a little bit, is pretty crooked and kind of messed up, you know. And I think a lot of my paintings tend to try to be attractive in their color palette, but also like when you get close to them, you see how warped the space is and how strange things really are. And I've always been really interested in perception and how I can sort of make people think about how they perceive the world isn't necessarily the same as others, maybe not. And I think painting is always trying to communicate that in some way because it's always me sort of spitting out the way I perceive the world and then hoping to communicate that to someone different. There is a little bit of a narrative, but it's always like a reflection of my own like anxieties or my own insecurity about how the world is constantly shifting in really uncomfortable ways. Well maybe that's the best way I could explain
1: it. It's interesting that you say that because, you know, one of the things that becomes more obvious about these are the way that they're constructions as opposed to maybe, you know, the work that you were doing as an undergraduate, which you kind of can't really tell you know, how much of them are fantasy versus based off of observation. So in in terms of being able to kind of like foster a little bit of a dialogue or, you know, to kind of include some of these titles that kind of allude to this, you know, reflective state, um, you know, that, that seems that construction element or that idea of like different facets of something kind of becomes more, I think, forward in the work um, in, a, in a way that it wasn't obviously in, in some of the previous work. Again, one that's just popping off to me is this alluded expectations painting, where again, you've kind oh. of, kind of have uh, rarely a figure, uh, in your, in your work, but then, you know, there's the, the figurative elements, which I'm assuming is you, but uh-huh. then also these kind of like design, design areas that are really kind of flattening out. But then there's also this kind of like spatial kind of thing going on with it. Again, it, it really becomes kind of interesting because like I said, I mean, it, I think it maybe puts puts the viewer into a, like a, I don't know, more of like a a state where they kind of are trying to like form a, a narrative about it or, you know, trying to figure out what the narrative is or, you know, as opposed to just like, oh, that's like a really nice painting.
0: Oh yeah. You know? uh, yeah. I think there's, there's always some level of conflated narrative that has to do with, you know, whatever may be going on with my life at the time. I think that painting specifically, was is sort of like if you know, I reveal too much here, but it's sort of like a, a reflection on um, modern dating and how it's usually like uh, like it is someone maybe you meet through an app, which I maybe have tried a few times, mm-hmm. and uh, realize that you know you you see one type a person who presents themselves one way in one thing and on like a like the, like the internet, and then in real life they may be a completely different type of person, and that's just because you're projecting. Your own desires or expectations on someone else and um, I thought I'd try to make this painting kind of funny because I had made paintings with like dogs and wolves and them for like the past couple of years Mm -hmm. so the sort of figure on the right in the red dress is looking at the phone and there's a picture of like the wolf there and instead she gets me and I'm actually a human Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) which is sort of like the uh, sort of like the kind of the joke I was trying to play is that I'm also not what people expect me to be in real life either. Mm-hmm. And that also plays into like the planes which shift and kind of layer over each other in different ways so that you can't quite tell what's up or what's down, you know, and the, the, what's left and what's right and what's coming forward and what's actually being pushed back. So there's always this sort of expectation that there's a lot of order going on, but there's actually a lot of like chaos and, um, Underlying structures that aren't necessarily safe, or uh, what's a good word? Safe or solid? Maybe I don't know. My vocabulary is failing me a little bit, but I think you know what I mean.
1: Yeah. So maybe not a fun question, but I'm I'm curious then too. In terms of like when you're working through you know one of your paintings, and again, you kind of have like a, maybe like a mid to larger kind of scale. Um, how long do you think you would say it, it takes you to kind of work through one of these? You know, just I guess on a, a typical, like from start to finish or are there, uh-huh. are there ones that come quick and ones that, you know, take years or, um, no,
0: I, I try not to let them take too long because I feel like I lose a little bit of passion for it if it's going to take forever. So, um, getting into like some of the more recent things, some of the larger, like, um, work that I showed at my thesis show, that's six by six feet or so. um, Took about a month to make. I think I, w- I would plan them on Photoshop pretty obsessively for probably a couple months. So the planning stage actually in a lot of times takes a little bit longer when I'm planning on being a little bit more premeditated. Mm-hmm. But then the actual painting, I tend to get pretty obsessed with it. and it, it, Even if it's a really big painting, usually happens within the span of a month to a month and a half. and okay. can usually get it done. The littler ones actually do take more time. Um, if I'm not Planning things, and i 'm kind of going on the fly and i 'm experimenting sometimes the little ones can take months actually, so the big ones take a short amount of time, but the little ones take a little bit longer, you know, depending on uh, how much um, how satisfied I am with the result
1: sure sure and so yeah. this is kind of like something that you continued and just kind of alluded towards in terms of your your thesis exhibition. Um, so this this process has kind of like continued on to into your your current set of work, is that right?
0: Um, I think I think in a lot of ways, yeah. Um when I graduated, I felt pretty good about the work I had made and the time I'd spent, but I also suddenly found myself in a new studio and I didn't have anyone to please with my work anymore. Mm-hmm. If you know what I mean. Like I'd been in the BFA making work for this program and then I was making work to get into a graduate program, then I was in the graduate program, I was making work to show to committees and things. So like suddenly it was just at this moment where I was like, oh, it's all me. So I continued to make some of the things I was doing, but I sort of fractalized and now I'm into all sorts of different types of painting. I just becoming a mad scientist where I'm sort of experimenting with all sorts of different things. But that still includes a lot of the things I was interested in when I was graduating. I'm still creating uh, mock-ups for these larger interior slash exterior spaces that use some conflated patterns and a lot of different layers but i'm also making a lot of the smaller works too still i'm just doing them in a lot of different ways i guess so a mm-hmm. lot of this has continued but it's i'm thinking about it a lot differently now and that not all of it's necessary anymore i guess i've I always i believe in quality over quantity but i've always made tons of work and i'm starting to slow down and be a little bit more particular about what I choose to do now, I guess, if that makes no it, sense it, at all. Yeah.
1: It makes total sense. It's, it's again, I kind of harken back to the audio issues and, you know, referencing how like, that's, you know, like a painter trying to fix audio issues is, you know, maybe not a, maybe not a good <laughs> thing, but like, it's interesting because in a similar way, like, and again, as someone that's also a painter, it's sometimes like something that seems really obvious, you know, through the progression of your work, you know, you just make a little bit of a shift like, oh, I'm going to like not use the, you know, like I'm not going to do this or Mm -hmm. I'm not going to, you know, overcomplicate things or maybe simplify it. It's like interesting because sometimes it's just like a little shift like that just opens up enough space to kind of continue that exploration. I think if you're continuing to do that, you're, you know, usually like feel like you're on the right track, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so again, what have you been doing since then? I mean, again, you've graduated then last, last spring. Is that right? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Um, so the last few months have been, uh, mostly dedicated to getting ready to, for a show I'm going to be in that opens in a couple of weeks, actually in San Francisco. Uh, it's going to be at glass rice gallery and the show is titled spectrum. And the reason for that, and I'm going to go on a little bit of a diatribe here, <laughs> um, so when I graduated, i kind of realized you know i have i'm kind of uh interested in a lot of different things so I continued to do that just make a lot of different types of painting i started getting into in addition to some of the more figurative planned photoshop based work i started doing some more like the abstract blobby paintings i think I sent you a photos of a couple of those um i started getting interested in utilizing text in my work so i started creating sort of started working on a body of work that did that and in the meantime i had a studio visit with an artist in San Francisco I really liked. And um, his only criticism was really that um, I didn't have, like, a solid body of work. And that really got me thinking um, as to what it is that an artist's job actually is. And his example to me, to explain to me what he was trying to communicate, was um, Chris O'Feely. So Chris O'Feely, he he got famous from doing the Dung paintings, right? Well, Mm -hmm. he actually did, like, like, 50 of those. Like, he made one, realized he had a good idea and just kind of ran with that for as long as he could. And, uh, I realized I hadn't really like done that yet. I had like a few good ideas that I could do that with, but I never found anything that I wanted to run with forever. So in the meantime, I have this show I have to get ready for. So I kind of have to decide. And then I, you know, I sort of think about, you know, what it is that I'm wanting to communicate. And I realized that, um, you know, I've never really had a good answer for that. Even in grad school, I had a lot of classes where they sort of challenge us to market ourselves more efficiently. Where you'd come up with like a like a like an elevator pitch that like describes your work that's supposed to be enticing, or you write a lot of artist statements. And I always kind of felt like I was bsing them a little bit. Not that I never thought about my work and what it's about. And you know, I always I always wrote those things and did all that stuff, but it was always constantly changing for me. So I never could pin down exactly what it was that. I wanted the audience to walk away with when they left, um, Mm -hmm. an exhibition of my things. Um, and I was thinking about all this and I I was thinking about part of the reason we do that as artists, we, we market ourselves as to having a specific style or specific brand is so that people can recognize our work against other people's like, uh, like Tom Colbert. He's the guy that makes the window paintings. Right. And they're like, Oh yeah, yeah. The window guy, you know, that's sort of like how you, one of the ways you differentiate yourself among, um, all the other artists is to just market yourself as to doing this one kind of thing that's uniquely yours. And uh that kind of depressed me at the time when I realized that. Um having this artist, I really like to come in and kind of tell me, well you kind of need to decide what you want to do if you want to be successful. And it kind of thought about that and then I thought about all the things I wanted to do. I realized I just wanted to play, really. Mm-hmm. Um I wanted to continue to experiment and try all these different things that I wanted to do. Because I I mean I had a body of work for a long time that did reflect me. I made all those jungle paintings from my BFA and the years afterward and a little bit into graduate school. And then I kind of, everything got broken down and I started playing around and doing all these different things with Photoshop and all the things we previously talked about. And I realized I was still kind of broken down. I never built up a new solid thing that represented me. So I, you know, I talked to my, uh, my gallerist about this, who's a really amazing person. And I said, you know, I, what I'd really kind of like to do is to just, because since I don't have a body of work, I actually have, like, several bodies of work to just present several paintings, but all that are really different. So it's sort of like a group show, but all the paintings are by me, mm-hmm. <laughs> in a way. And uh, I was also thinking a lot, been thinking a lot about Alfred Kinsey, who uh, worked at IU. He studied sexuality and discovered that it's a spectrum. Um, no one's just either homosexual or heterosexual or bisexual there's a whole range of feelings you can have towards that even like sex sexual drive like some people are very asexual or some people are very sexual and i got thinking as an artist i'm different kinds of artists all in one as a person i'm different kinds of people all in one mm-hmm. and for me to just choose one thing i feel it would be disingenuous a little bit, I think. Um, I've also been thinking a lot about, you know, I'm always kind cre- of creating an alternate reality in my work, and I'm interested in alternate dimensions and string theory and fourth dimensional physics, things like that. And so there's, theoretically, there's a million different versions of me and a million different universes out there somewhere, and they're all probably making different kinds of paintings. And I kind of want to talk about that in a way. Mm-hmm. So I kind of do want to make different all sorts of different types of works that's sort of what we set out to do for this show and uh she came up with the title of spectrum which was like a brick to the head to me i was trying to come up with a title i didn't have a good one i was oh spectrum that's totally obvious so what i've been doing is i've been making um i got back into oil painting too i i had started working for Gamblin Artist oil colors recently so that's been really influential so i've been making from life landscape paintings as well i've been continuing the body of work that centers around windows and layers i've been doing um these sort of i call them abstract blobby paintings but it's a little more complicated than that where i take several panels attach them together so i create a sculpture with it and then i steal color palettes from interior design catalogs and create these um uh these poorer paintings which have been really fun to create and experiment with because they create these weird structures that have this sort of paint on them and um, i've been experimenting with text and some other and graffiti and some other work so it, they're all kind of clearly by me because I have sort of a color palette that like seems to permeate all of the work. But they're all paintings about different things. And I wanted to make a show that said that it's OK to just be lost and make a bunch of different things and to not have like one solid statement that you want people to hear. I mean, I feel like a lot of artists do have that. Like, one st- like you know a Takashi Murakami painting when you see it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know what he's trying to communicate. And I love his work so much, but I don't think like, I could do... Right now, it feels like I don't think I could do the same style for several years. Right now, it feels like I really want to just play as long as I can get away with it um, before I come up with something that really stands as like what Tom Colcord is. Right now, I want to be... <laughs> I want to be a ghost, essentially. I just want, me, I want to be able to represent a, a slew of different things, partially just because I haven't chosen what I want it is to be, but also partially because I love painting. And I love so many different styles of painting. And I spent so much time trying to force so many different styles of painting into one type of painting. And I think if you look at a lot of my work, you kind of see that I'm sort of experimenting with a lot of different types of painting techniques in one thing you know the different spray painting techniques, stenciling from life painting um different acrylic techniques um just all the different ways I can do it, and I kind of just want to embrace just doing all sorts of different types of things. I feel like I rambled there a little bit but I think
1: <laughs> no no that was... you,
0: might, you might know what I know what I mean.
1: No, that, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, and again, just remind everyone too. When when is this exhibition going to be ready and, and up? And
0: um... good good question. <laughs> um, if the opening reception is January nineteenth, it's going to go from January nineteenth to February twenty fourth, and that's going to be at uh, Glass Rice Gallery in San Francisco. It's sort of in the Design District area. I think I have the address here. I think it's six eighty, yeah, six eighty eighth Street suite awesome. 24 240b yes and that's in san francisco so if you're in the bay area and then we're at the reception opening reception we're going to have a musical performance by my brother as well who's a musician and uh that also kind of has to do with the uh the show a little bit too but you have to actually go to the show to find out what that is i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tell you here
1: Awesome, so, awesome. Yeah, there's,
0: and, there's my little bit of marketing for you. <laughs> and,
1: and where else can people find your work? Are you all over, you know, the internets, as it were? Mm-hmm.
0: I have an Instagram at t colcord. Um, I can send you a link to that real quick, and then I do have my website as well, which I am proud to say I update as much as I can. Um, once the show is up, I'll have all the, the new work on that too. So that's tcolcord.wix.com backslash Tom
1: Awesome. Awesome. Well, um, again, I, I really appreciate you, uh, taking the time today. And of course, uh, for applying to the, uh, CD break competition, it was really interesting to, you know, see this big breath of work. Um, and again, listening to listening, to you talk about it and hearing how it has kind of shifted, uh, And to be honest, not that big of an amount of time, really. You know what I'm saying? Um, It's very, very very exciting. So, again, um, thanks so much for for taking the time and and being patient and uh, participating.
0: Uh, Well, thank you, David. I I appreciate uh, you giving me the platform. It's really really cool. It's a good opportunity to be able to talk about your work and kind of expose it. I appreciate that.
1: Thanks once again to Tom for joining me. You can check out Tom's new exhibition at Glass Rice Gallery in San Francisco. It's entitled Spectrum, and it runs through February 24th, so be sure to check it out while it's up. You can also see his work by visiting his website, tcolcord at Wix, and of course follow him on Instagram at tcolcord. If you like today's interview, I do want to encourage you to visit studiobreak.com. We have a lot of other artists up there with works as well as links to their website, so be sure to check it out on Studio Break. You can, of course, listen right there on the default player, but if it's easier, just click that iTunes link and subscribe to the podcast in iTunes. Of course, if you like it, you can always leave us feedback there, or otherwise, you can follow us on Facebook, and be sure to like our Facebook page. You can also find us on Instagram at studio underscore break and of course on twitter at studio break studio break is made possible in part by generous support from the osage arts community which is a proud sponsor of studio break osage arts community is an artist residency that provides temporary time space and support for the creation of new artistic work in a retreat format serving creative people of all kinds including visual artists composers poets fiction and non-fiction writers Osage is located on a 180-acre working farm in the rural mountainside setting of central Missouri, bordered by the lovely Gasconade River. OAC provides residencies to those working alone, as well as welcoming collaborative teams, offering living space and workspace in a country environment to emerging and mid-career artists. Interested parties should visit Osage Arts Community's website for more information as they are now accepting applications for the 2018 season. Osage Arts Community, where land, art, and community ignite. I'd like to thank Skylar Mail, who provides the music to Studio Break. You can check out his artwork. His website is Skylarmail.net. And, of course, you can see some of my artwork at davidlinoway.com. You can see some paintings. And be sure to follow my Instagram and Twitter account at davidlinoway. And, of course, you can find me on Facebook, so you can find me there as well. And a quick shout-out to Bonnie Leibowitz. Glad that you enjoyed the recent episode. Hope you enjoyed this one. And, of course, we hope you all enjoyed this interview with Tom Colcord. There'll be more coming, so, of course, stay tuned for that. Otherwise, we'll talk to you real soon.